Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, starseeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Belair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hey, my friends, welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. Can you believe it's been another week already? I I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm mind blown by the quality of time right now and how quickly it is just flying by. Every day feels like it's only 12 hours long. I know others are feeling this because they will tell me, even just the random person at the grocery store, like the checkout lady, talking to me about how time is just like zoom it's so noticeable for everybody it doesn't even matter if they're awake but I think it is a sign of the times and the awakening and I feel so compelled to describe a little bit of the energy that is coming in right now so I feel so much light coming in, I've said a thousand times already, but you're going to be hearing me say it a whole lot more over the next, you know, few months because it's just going to be what is happening. It is what is happening. So I'm going to say it, but I do, I feel so much light coming in so much light. The energy this year feels totally different to me from, I really don't know. I, I don't know the last time that I felt anything like this. It feels huge. It feels transcendent. It feels like truly monumental. Um, And yet I'm definitely not trying to say that, my God, a comet's going to come and strike the earth or the grand solar flash is happening or whatever. You know, it, it feels huge and it feels like probably this is going to feel normal eventually but right now it's such a stark contrast the energy that I'm feeling coming in is such a stark contrast to the energy we've been dealing with for such a long time that it doesn't feel normal it feels very remarkable so how do I describe this the energy that is coming in is a lot it is a lot right now it feels really sweet and beautiful because it's the light it is consciousness it is remembering it is our true nature and I mean our true I don't mean our true spiritual nature I mean that but I also mean our true nature as organic beings as human beings like um, it almost feels like film being wiped off of our eyes, both our, our like outer vision and our inner vision. It feels like cotton being pulled out of our ears. It feels like cotton being pulled out of our lungs and expanded um, range of our physical senses, expanded cognitive function, like almost like our brain is going to grow and our nervous system is going to grow and we're going to be able to process so much more information through our senses, but also like on a cognitive level, psychic information, it almost feels like a a point of evolution within the species, but it's also a point of evolution in our consciousness. Like they both go hand in hand. It's, It's one and the same. It's just manifesting physically and manifesting in our consciousness and it just feels so good. It also feels like a remembering of 
who we really are. And again, like these words just sound so frustratingly overused as I'm saying them because I've been saying them for so long and then others are saying them too. But I say remembering who we really are and that that's real on so many levels. But I would even say remembering who we really are in the same way that there's a bigger story that's playing out and we haven't it's like we've been operating at um a rest, like a restricted version of the story. It's like reading one book and finding out that it is part of a mega series. Do you know what I mean? Like the story is so much bigger than what we have understood or had conscious access to and it feels like we are remembering that and as you get more information about yourself and the story that's playing out and the other characters and the themes and all that kind of stuff as well as how to operate within it on a conscious level rather than just being like you know a character in somebody's video game that they're controlling but you are the one who is surfing this reality in a lucid way creating in real time like it feels like remembering all of that stuff and then having the 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 channel that leads literally to the divine I call it the holographic central sun, the divine cosmic father, the the masculine god mind. And then the channel that leads all the way down into the divine feminine, I call it the the molten golden heart of the matter mother, the true like holy sacred divine feminine matrix that holds us and nurtures us and lives and breathes just for us and everything that you know she is creating and birthing all the time the the channel that we have that is connected to those two um i don't know like primordial rishi levels of consciousness those channels, the blockages are being cleared away right now. And like, it's going to happen over the next 12 weeks is what I'm getting anyway. I mean, trying to measure time is, uh, it's something I'm getting better at. (laughs) So it feels like 12 weeks. Don't mark your calendar. Um, But the blockages are being like pushed out of the way as so much light comes in and like I said right now it feels sweet it feels sweet so beautiful and sweet because we haven't felt this in so long it's like being a creature like imagine that you are a marine creature I don't know a fish or some like phytoplankton or something like that and you are originally designed to exist up closer to the surface of the water so that you are receiving a certain amount of sunlight but for whatever reason you are dropping like down into the deeper layers of the ocean where less and less light reaches and you're you've had to adapt to being in that state of deprivation for so long And then being able to receive that light again, that's literally what it feels like. Like we are beings that are supposed to, we're coded to exist at a higher level, um, closer to the light than this. And we have been (sighs) held in a deeper, denser, darker level of consciousness, of reality, 
um, for a very long time and it's felt like being starved. And the only word I can use for it is the light because, of course, it's so much more than that. And, you know, no English word can possibly encompass what I'm talking about, but I, I hope you can feel it and you can connect with it in your own way and understand what I mean. It's like a necessary element for for our well-being and it's finally returning and we have been starved for it for centuries. <laughs> like not for a few years. It's not like a drought that lasts for a few years. It's like centuries and generations of being deprived and existing without that vital essential nutrient in a sense. And so it's coming back in and it feels so good. Like just please more, 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 more. It's like a a parched person drinking water and drinking water and drinking water. But, but, and none of this is bad. Nothing that I'm talking about is bad. Even as I say, but there's no bad thing here. It's just (laughs) the analogy continues because you know, when you're like just chugging water and you're so thirsty and you're just like, fuck yes, like this water, keep it coming. There's a point where your stomach can't hold anymore and you have to stop. And if you don't stop, you'll throw up and then you'll drink more (laughs) until you relax. But you know what I mean? Like there's just, there is um, a maximum capacity of that good, vital, excellent, wonderful, like God-given, God-blessed, like thank you, praise, 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 yes, more, element there's only so much you can hold and I feel like that is really going to characterize the new year for us the early new year the first quarter is like at some point probably in January or February we're going to be stretched to what feels like our max capacity to hold this light even though it is just like Ah! (laughs) you know it's still wonderful but it's we're gonna feel like oh my god I literally cannot hold any more of this and there will be sort of like a shaking and a pressure as we stretch to our maximum capacity our true maximum capacity and at that point um it will start to abate and we will be able to like oh come back and relax back into I don't know It feels like relaxing back down into a more normal, like, rate flow of this light that that we are more accustomed to being able to process, but it doesn't feel like a deprivation thing. It doesn't feel like the light goes away and disappears and we're like, ah, ah, the darkness. It feels like, okay, this is manageable now. And we do a lot of integration through the next quarter, through the, the spring, so... Q1 is like, oh my God, so much light. And Q2 is like, okay, <laughs> let me integrate all that just happened there. And it it feels just incredible, incredible, like so beautiful. Um, and it, like I said, it feels like it's, this is probably just the beginning of multiple periods like this, where we sort of rapid upgrade together. And that'll just start to feel normal to us eventually. But right now it doesn't feel normal. It's brand new. And so it's so exciting. Anyways, I just like, I can't not share about it. (laughs) I'm feeling it and seeing it and hearing it everywhere. And it's just so exciting to me. If you want to hear more about it, if you're just like, fuck yes, I want to ride this wave. um, I have my live channeling event 
happening next week on the 20th and the 21st. It's called Oracle of Light. And it's to bring in essentially Lemurian light codes. But I mean, of course, <laughs> how can I ever summarize what actually is supposed to come through? Like as I say in you know my story panels and the emails and things that I've sent out, the social media posts, I say that it's about Lemurian light activations and um, an oracular channel channeling about our our true ancient history, caveat being that it resonates as true to me and I am translating it through my lens. So, you know, but it's like our true ancient history, the shit, what I'm saying is the shit that they don't tell us, the shit that is not in our um, recorded documents, whatever. And it goes back to the stargates and the star beings that walked through. And even prior to that, prior to the arrival of the star beings, and it goes into that, um, oh, I don't know, hybridization doesn't feel like the right word, although that's actually what it was, but it was like the the decision to come together and create like a new, new beings together. Um, and that's what most of us as humans are now. We are the descendants of that. And Lemuria and Atlantis and the Lemurian wound and the Atlantean wound and some other ancient civilizations in there and what all of that means for us and also what it means for our future and going into future timelines that I've been seeing all year. Oh, they're so beautiful. Um, so that's, that's what I'm bringing through. And I'm also bringing through, you know, I call them Lemurian light activations because they're, they're sort of like from that time and it's it's designed to trigger your own rememberings for yourself and within yourself, as well as a soul clearing from anything that you're carrying that you just don't need to carry anymore. Like there, there's so much that just gets to be released. Like, my God, if you're like me, you have a billion files on your computer that you don't need that are definitely slowing down the processing speed of your computer and all of you know the commands that you enter into it and if you were to just clear all that shit out your computer would function much more efficiently it's like that we are similarly carrying around so much stuff that we don't need like we're done with it like it's not even that it needs to be healed it's like it's done we don't let it go so there's going to be a soul clearing around that and then an anointing, which I'm very excited about because there are so many people who are being um, like called into, upgraded into, activated into the fulfillment of their soul purpose and soul mission right now. And even if you don't remember what your soul purpose or soul mission is, it's not a big deal. Like come anyway, receive the anointing. It'll only help you to remember. T to be honest, like I feel like I've only really just remembered in November. Up until now, I've been functioning on like pieces of the puzzle that make sense, but I haven't fully remembered who I am and what I'm here to do until that fateful day, November 13th, when it all just dropped in. And then the day, so that's all day one. That's all day one. Day two is um, a group Akashic Records reading just to bring through some information for you know, who, like whoever, basically based on the number of people who have already signed up, there's definitely no way that I'm going to read, uh, for every single person. So I'll do kind of like, you know, one of those Abraham Hicks sort of things where I will 
allow myself to be guided to call forward whoever I'm guided to call forward and we'll we'll wrap, we'll go into your Akashic records and bring things through. But in my experience, just like with Abraham Hicks events, these these um, group readings bring through so many answers for so many people, even though it's specific to one person, the information that comes through will be relevant and applicable and activating and clarifying for many people. And of course, it's being recorded. If you can't attend live, I totally get it. Um, and you can watch it whenever whenever you want to, as many times as you want, and receive those soul clearings and activations and um, anointings. So all of that is happening on the 20th and 21st. Oracle of Light. Link is in the show notes, website, bio, on Instagram, stories, all email, all the places. The other thing, which I haven't managed to post anywhere else yet, <laughs> except for email, um, is my uh, group coaching experience, or sorry, mentorship. It's not really coaching. I don't have a coaching energy, but I definitely have a mentorship energy. Group mentorship experience called the avatar to like pull you into that version of yourself. I am like, I'm pumped about this. It's a whole, there's a whole process. It's a whole outlined structured thing. And it is deep. It was like at the holographic DNA level. I am, I can't wait. Anyway, I'm not going to talk at length about that one because I already blabbed about the Oracle of Light and John's going to send me another email or a message in soul space telling me that my intros are too long. Anyways, <laughs> But the avatar is that it's a a 12 week or 90 day group mentorship, whole amazing process. And it is on pre-sale right now because I don't have the uh, graphics created yet. So because I don't have my shit together on my end, I'm going to give you a discount. It's a very generous discount. It's literally one third of the price. Um, You can see that in the show notes too. If you want like if you want to interact with me and have me literally get my hands in your Akashic hologram and make magic happen with you, then this, this is the container for you. Okay. All in the show notes, check it out. All of the places that all the other links are. Um, that's it for my ramble. Now the intro to the podcast conversation is that this is Nicole and she has been on the show before with her sister Megan and they were episode 155 they are together they are the Zenchronicity sisters and they have a coaching business um i believe that they use plant medicine in particular microdosing with different mushrooms and a lot of their work has been around addiction and healing addiction like whether in family lines or in like in an individual but from the sounds of the conversation with Nicole they're branching out into doing other kinds of very very interesting work and we talked about her initiation into the Akashic Records through ayahuasca and I give a tip in the episode two about like if you feel like you're blocked from accessing the Akashic Records like one of the most likely reasons and what to do about it. And we also talk about like feminine and masculine energetics. Like she basically, she went to an ayahuasca ceremony um, with only women. And she was like, 
that was chaos. Like that was intense. So we get into it about like the beauty of the feminine energetics and the beauty of the masculine energetics and how they really, really like work together and harmonize. We talked about so many things and there were so many things that we didn't go into that I really wanted to. But anyway, this conversation is great. I'm having Megan on shortly next week, actually. Well, next week I'm talking to her. We'll see what it goes on the podcast probably next week. Um, And I'm just really excited because they are very deep and very fascinating women. Um, The conversations are so good and I just selfishly wanted to talk to both of them on a deeper level and I figured why not share it with all of you. So without any further rambling on my part, here is Nicole of the Zen Chronicity Sisters. Hey, Nicole, welcome to Third Eye Awakening. Welcome back, I should say, but welcome as your, you know, in your own right, your your solo appearance. Um, Thank you so much for being here. How's it going? It's wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's our first, my first time doing a um, solo podcast without my other half. So um, thank you for inviting us um, on individually. And I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, it's always a great time. And of course, it's always a pleasure just connecting with you because we have so much in common on so many different levels. And I'm excited to see where the conversation goes. Yeah, me too. I, I was saying to you before we hit record that like selfishly, really, I just want to get to know you and Megan better. And I was like, well, I might as well make it a podcast episode and give you guys like, you know, exposure to my audience and stuff. But I can tell like the two times that we spoke for my podcast and your podcast, I was like, oh, we have things to talk about. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm excited to get into it with you. And I would love to hear about, um, you shared with me that you recently did um, an ayahuasca ceremony and that you spent part of it like fully in the Akashic Records. And I'm like chomping at the bit to hear the details of about that and then even just the whole journey itself whatever you want to talk about like beyond the Akashic Records experience too yeah absolutely um so it was in July it was a three-part plant medicine ayahuasca so we sat in three consecutive well the plan was to be three consecutive ayahuasca nights um and it didn't go three consecutively because of the shaman but I was hosting um a retreat with my sister and we were down there with seven other women. So it was a complete all feminine plant medicine um, retreat with a female shaman, not the whole shebang, lots of feminine energy. And it was um, it was amazing, but it was a really profound experience because sitting with that much feminine energy and that much chaos is a lot. Um, but it was a beautiful experience. And like I had said and mentioned earlier, I spent one of the nights majority of it spending in the Akashic. And um, prior to that, I hadn't really spent a lot of time in the Akashic. I knew what they were. I had done some research on it. I had had multiple like psychics and mediums tell me like, you know, this is a gift of yours. You can flip in and out. And I was like, everyone can do this. Like, I don't, I'm not that special, right? Because I know that the Akashic are accessible by everyone if you're able to sit and be and understand um, the power of them. And um, I had had an experience about a year and a half ago where I was in this really foggy field and I was by myself. I was walking my two dogs and I started seeing like 
it was like I went to like a wormhole and I started seeing all these like cat flies and they were like flipping in front of me and it was my dogs, my 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 two dogs at the time. I could see all of um their old owners and their souls and like all this stuff. And I actually was like, what is happening? Did I just like go to a different planet? And I started, you know, kind of was my first segue into maybe there's something to this. Um, and then fast forward, I sat in a ayahuasca ceremony in May with my sister. Not a whole lot happened. I could see a few past lives, but it nothing was it wasn't as profound as what I had experienced in this um more recent time. And um I would say it was probably one of the calmest and like most peaceful experiences. A lot of times I think the acoustic records are kind of people look at you're the word buzzword like acoustic and it's scary to them or they're like, oh what are you do some crazy voodoo stuff, right? And um it really you know, and as you know, Amy, it's very calming. Like once you're kind of in there, it you can really ask questions and like kind of sort through these things. And um, the first half of the night I had had, so we had signed Cambo the first night or first day. And then we went into ayahuasca that night. And I, um, I suffer severely from migraines and Cambo is a detoxifying. So I went into the first night really ill. I had a migraine that was triggered by Cambo from a detox. And so that night was a lot of pain of just kind of being. Uh, the second night was a lot of me working through some of my really deep self. And then third night was where I really got to spend some time in the Kochik. Um, And it was not asked for. I just went in open-mindedly. I actually, my intention for that night was to hold space for other people. And that's exactly what had happened. Um, everyone in the ceremony um, I was able to openly see past lives and I particularly spent some time in mine and then I spent some time in individual um, that were in the ceremony with me. And it was really, um, it was healing for myself, but it was also, I could see their pain of what they were going through, but from a different perspective. Um, very similar to like uh, a lot of times shamans will say, oh, I was in the experience with you. I could see what you were feeling and what was going on and I was able to guide and help. Um, that's kind of where I guess my holding space got the opportunity to um, experience these individual uh, path lives. And I was able to really be able to have a lot of compassion and being able to realize that like so often our stories are so deep and we're working on such a deep, profound soul level that our our bodies that we're given, they're, they're, um, they're just bodies for this lifetime. We've got, we're so deep in layers and layers and layers that we are so unaware of. And I think that was like the beautiful thing that I was shown that night was having grace and understanding because so many people are, are working through a lot of past life and like quantum work. Um, one particular, I guess I can, I can share my own. Um, I won't talk about the other individuals because I don't have permission, but my 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 own Akashic, I, I was able to see some very painful experiences and to get some answers about things that I just really couldn't understand. And in this life, I feel like they were holding me back. And it was kind of an epiphany of like, wow, you've had all these answers in you. You just have never listened. 
And I think that's one beautiful thing about the Akashic because I come from a family of addiction and I know that like people say here and say, oh, it's generational, it's generational, like you can fix it and you can heal it. Um, and in, in this particular one, I saw a past life where I had a mother who actually died in, um, she was pregnant with me and she died from addiction. And so I was able to kind of connect the dots of like, oh, like this life, I'm here to a service. I'm here to help individuals understand the addiction. Yes, it runs deep, but I also can here to show example that you can overcome it, that it's not a life sentence. It's not something that you are told as a child and you have to take on that narrative. Um, so it was a really beautiful moment of like, oh, I don't have to identify with this. I, it was almost like this spring, like, these are things that you have, but you don't have to continue to identify or keep with you. You can let them go. And um, it's a it's a beautiful tool, especially those that are willing to surrender into it. I think for me, I really fought it at first because I was, if they're, it was scary. I was like, oh my God, it's real. And my, you know, my mind playing tricks on me. And then I started to really realize like this can actually be a beautiful tool to help heal um, the soul and the body. That's so amazing. Okay. There are, okay, hold on a second. So there are like so many things just in everything that you said that I want to go into. I'm trying to like rein in my brain. First of all, I just briefly want to comment on, I can only imagine the chaos of um, only women on ayahuasca. I love that description of just acknowledging that, you know, you know, I don't, I mean, like I really resonate with it personally because I, a couple of years ago started getting like information for the priestess archetype. And so all of a sudden I, I went from just talking to everybody in general to talking specifically to women because that information was specifically is specifically for women but I can't fully like I know in my audience and in my business it I am meant to speak to the balance between the masculine and feminine and that when you're talking only to one or the other it is like the feminine is very chaotic so <laughs> well and and the thing too that was really crazy about it and like I have sat in ayahuasca where it's a male shaman your guardians are males, like, and there were males there. There was two of them that were guardians, but the rest was women. And we can get dark real quick. Like <laughs> Lilith is a real thing. And, you know, I, I'd never really experienced or even afterwards, like when I, even now when I'm still integrating, I'm like, the feminine is so dark, but we're so powerful. And that sitting in three plant medicine ceremonies with women and, um, a, you know, Cambo frog medicine, it was like, wow, like the divine feminine has no idea how powerful it is. And I think it was a big part for me to like, be like, whoa, like this is put a whole bunch of women together power. I mean, the, if we are, I'm like, yeah, we can make babies. We can do it all, but man, we are, yeah, we are, uh, we're definitely, we're definitely powerful, but, uh, Lilith is a real thing. She, that dark feminine can really come out and play when um, we really haven't done that like deep soul work of integrating that dark feminine into light feminine, ideally. A hundred percent. Like my daughter is five and a half right now. And luckily she like, 
she goes to a school where like all the kids just get along really well. It's a little tiny private school and she's not having drama, but I'm, I'm feeling her move into that phase. And I'm like having flashbacks to my own. I had by, by circumstance, I had an all girl class for like from grade two onward and, or yeah, in grade two was all girl all the way until grade seven, I think. And anyway, (laughs) talk about Lilith coming out like little girls when they are you know unchecked they don't have the masculine energy to balance them out they are are little I don't know I don't want to like use rude words to describe little girls but man that energy is intense little baby Liliths oh yeah for sure I mean and like I that's how I was like Okay. And I remember being, um, I remember like a week later, cause my sister stayed down there. She was down in Mexico for an extra week and I flew home and I remember talking to her and I'm like, we're never doing that again. Like <laughs> we need men. <laughs> we're never, no, 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 no. Like I am never sitting in a plant medicine ceremony with just women, like great experience. I would never take it back, but I have a whole different appreciation for grounded masculine that are willing to ground a grid and let us be in our chaos um, because it is so important. And I think part of that was actually me realizing that a big part of my work and of Megan's work and what our company is and what we do is really helping people understand the balance of masculine and feminine and that we have it within us, but also finding mm-hmm. those divine partnerships of grounded masculine and um, you know, how to find healthy masculine, how to cultivate healthy feminine, you know, being in those spaces, because right now our society is a hot mess. And that's really what I was experiencing. It's like, this is just a bunch of chaos, like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. I can I'm just like, thinking about it. And I'm like, wow, that's like, I feel like that's like a a triple whammy of healing. (laughs) You have the ayahuasca and the cambo, and then you have, um, you know, all of your own stuff that is dredged up. And then you have all the layers of feminine energy just crashing around being like, we're powerful. We're unhealed together. (laughs) Well, and it's also, you know, like ayahuasca is the grandmother. So we're also working Mm -hmm. in a feminine based plants I was like okay who signed up for this like all right we got this we're doing it (laughs) I wonder if that would be different with so I've heard now I have never done ayahuasca nor have I done um ibogaine but I've um listened to people talk about it and they've described ayahuasca as being like the feminine energy the grandmother energy and ibogaine being like the grandfather it's a masculine energy I can't verify that personally but it makes me think like I wonder what it would be like to have a group of like, let's say seven women doing Ibogaine ceremonies with that masculine medicine. I mean, I have no idea. I'm just wondering out loud. No, that actually like would probably be, it would be really, yeah, it would be very interesting. And I have heard that. Um, I actually recently, we met, we spoke at a conference in Denver um, and we met a, a woman who was speaking about Ibogaine and Iboga and different parts of the plant. They're the same. Some are the root and some are the the leaf, but yes, it's the masculine side. It's the kind of the godfather of all of it. And they're showing actually profound research with ibogaine and iboga is actually more healing for addiction than ayahuasca and any of the other um, plant medicines right now. So it's really, um, I would agree with you in that, but yeah, I, I could 
you know, theoretically, I think that it would probably be a little bit easier for a whole bunch of women to sit in more of a masculine based plant medicine. Um, we might just all cry and like lick our father wounds all night, but at least it wouldn't be like crazy chaos. <laughs> right. But I mean, those father wounds, they got to get healed too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then bringing it back to your experience with, um, you know, being brought into the Akashic records, like your own Akashic records and it sounds like um, other people's Akashic records as well. And I just want to make sure that I'm understanding the experience that you relayed properly, where you yeah. use the example of, um, you know, receiving that memory of being a fetus in the womb of a mother um, who died using basically um, whatever her, her poison was in that lifetime and how that affects you on a soul level versus I think what you were talking about was hearing that it's a genetic thing. Like, so, so that addiction is like a genetic predisposition that gets handed down through the generations, almost like as an inheritance, a physiological inheritance, as well as a behavioral sort of dysfunction rooted in trauma. Um, But you experience then the like, spiritual akashic side of the soul imprint and also how like i think what you were saying i just want to make sure i'm getting it right is it helped you to release the feeling that like you can't do anything about this genetic inheritance and so a part of you was identifying with it because that's what a lot of the research is saying or that's how it's being spoken of and it kind of released you from that like oh it's more than a genetic inheritance. There's there are deeper spiritual um, elements, and I don't actually, as a, a person or soul, have to carry this forward as like a um, like a monkey on my back, like this thing that is I'm always kind of having to keep in check, as though it can just take over my life. Yeah, and you know the thing with I should have like kind of back backed up and said, you know, I, I explained the akashic and like what I was feeling right. And that was in the third night, but the the second night I struggled. So I come from a family that has addiction. I think every family kind of somehow, somewhere it's there. Right. Um, and everyone has a vice. And the second night was the hardest. I actually didn't want to sit in the third night because it was so hard for me. And I went in really open. I was like, Oh, the first night was nothing like, yeah, I had this horrible migraine and I just pretty much slept all night. But the second night was all about me facing and understanding that addiction is something that you face every day. And if I can kind of give you guys a, of what my experience was, is I was really deep in, I was really deep into ayahuasca at that point. I was like two, three, two, three hours in. And I remember opening my eyes and I could see all the geometrics and I could see everything. And I, Ayahuasca for me gives me this like kind of fuzzy feeling. Like I feel like my skin is vibrating Um, and it's a frequency, like it's the frequency of the plant. And I had never felt that before. And I was fighting it. I was fighting it so hard because I was like, I hate this feeling. I feel like it was going to like break out of my skin. Um, I was angry. It was just like all this stuff. There was this, all this darkness surfacing. I was listening to the shaman play music and I was I remember this thought patterning in this loop of like the shaman drugged me and like all of these like super just demonic almost thoughts of like, how dare her do this to me? 
And I remember her coming over because I was, I was struggling. I was really, I was really angry. I was really mad. I was like, why, you know? And I remember her telling me that you can either drink this water because I had a like jug of water and she's like, you can drink the water and you can understand what the mother is giving you, or you can surrender into the medicine. And then you can also learn what the, what mother Aya is giving you. Like you have two choices and those choices are completely up to you. And I remember being in this and I was just like, I hate her so much. I was so angry, but coming out of it, I realized it was victimhood. How dare that person do that to me? How dare them? Right. And I chose the water. And in that process, I, every time I drank, I puked and I did it over and over. I mean, it was this violent cycle that I was stuck in. And in all of this, I was realizing, and I was being told like, these are the choices that everyone continues to do that everything in life is a choice. You can choose to drink the water and you vomit. My biggest fear, I hate, I hate puking. Like it's a very, it's a very weird thing for me. I don't like other people doing it, but it was my ultimate, like my biggest fear came to reality that night. And it was these, these choices that were in front of me. And it was a choice of like, what are you going to do with your life, Nicole? Are you going to continue to drink the water? And you're going to continue down this path of toxic victimhood, or are you going to stop and surrender into the medicine and understand that life is about choices and you have a choice. Every individual on this planet, everything and everything we are given every day is a choice. And it was, it was, it was a brutal night. Um, I remember at one point, like praying to God, like I, I was like on my knees, just crying. Like, I just like, I, I didn't know how to get out of it. Like I was just so stuck. Right. And, um, the shaman came over and she's like, you're finding everything that you've ever needed. And I was like, I hate you. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it was, it was a really dark night and it was, but it was seeing addiction. It was seeing what to me, I had been shown what addiction was, those choices that were, um, and going in, like I said, going into the third night, I had a lot of resistance. Um, I had actually had a panic attack the day, like we took a day off and I had a severe panic attack where like, um, my sister had to literally like take me to grass and like ground me because I was so like spun into this, like, oh my God, this is who I am. And I had to face it. I had to really look at who I was and these identities that kind of had been labeled and given to me. And so, you know, that third night going into the Akashic realizing like, oh my God, like these are, these are stories. These are contracts that have been passed down and that contract doesn't have to continue to be renewed. I don't have to renew that contract. I can rewrite that contract with the universe. I can, you know, money is easy and, you know, addiction is how we channel it and how we look at it. Like human is hard. Being human is really hard, but it's how we choose to live our human experience in every lifetime to the full capacity and being so consciously aware of those choices um, and I think that that's really kind of between the Akashic and the plant medicine, really realizing, you know, almost near six months later of like, what are my conscious choices every day in my life? Because I am, I'm the rulemaker. I am the contract signer. You know, I, this is a, this is a soul contract. And, um, what am I going to do in this life? 
That's super, super, like, super deep, dark stuff to go into that space of um, almost like when you're saying, like, having these demonic thoughts, like, how dare she poison me? And, like, and it makes me feel like maybe there was, like, you know, a little dark passenger hanging out with your ego and had convinced your ego that it wasn't safe to transform because transformation equals death which of course it doesn't but that's the that's the great lie of the you know the dark consciousness is like it just wants to perpetuate itself forever collateral damage be damned um and and i'm thinking too like i mean this is the big this is one of the biggest barriers that i think um People in at least North America, I mean, I really can't speak for anywhere else, not even Europe, because I'm not there, but I see what's happening in North America. And I feel like victim consciousness is being the the flames of that is being fanned so hard from all directions right now. And it's like, it is just straight up truth that we always have choice. It's impossible for us not to. I... I remember just having this realization at some point last year that I was like, oh my God, human beings, we are so powerful. We're so special. And we don't even know we've been gaslit to hell and like made to believe that we're, you know, we're just unworthy. And, you know, like sometimes my um, husband, when he's feeling especially cynical and grumpy um, calls us like hairless beach apes and things like that. And I'm like, no, though, that's not what we are we are the guardians of free will. Like we have such a, um, an important power that we walk that fine line of choice constantly. It's impossible to escape it. You cannot, like, there's no point in your day where you are not making a choice. It's crazy. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's so fascinating to me because I look, you know, I'm a total Instagram junkie. I love social media. I love to consume, you know, but you know, it is these contracts that are being told to us. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're this, you're that, you're that. And it's like, no, like this is what someone is telling you. You should be, they're shooting on you. And in reality is you have the choice and yes, North America is in a mess. We are, there's, there's some, I've recently started saying, you know, I feel like I'm in Star Wars. I feel like the dark Sith Lords are running this country right now. And it, it's like, I'm like, oh my God, like, where's Padme? Where's Luke Skywalker? Like, is Yoda going to show up? You know, because, but those, but you know, you look at those, these stories, right? Even uh, Lord of the Rings and like uh, Star Wars, they all had choice. All of these heroes had choice. We're a hero in our own journey. Mm-hmm. It's just how we we go about it. And a lot of, a lot of what is happening right now is about conformity conform, or you're going to get canceled. Like, what is that? Oh my God. Fuck cancel culture. I will just straight up say, I had somebody reach out to me a while ago. I haven't talked about this on my podcast because I've been like waiting to, you know, not be so triggered about it, but I've been planning on mentioning it. I had somebody reach out to me and just like, basically shame me for using a specific emoji and a specific word when I hadn't even commented on the genocide in Palestine. And I was like, is somebody waiting to hear me give an official statement? Why? Why? I don't right. what, what, like what qualifies me to contribute in any valuable way? 
I'm not there. I've never been there. I don't know anybody who's there. So everything that I could possibly, like every opinion that I have is based on what I hear other people saying, very much of which is based on what they hear other people saying. So I don't feel like I have anything of value to contribute. And what, like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, like just the whole idea that we're supposed to toe some kind of behavioral line otherwise people are going to shame us. And I mean, that was a super mild, mild example. I know people are getting like really attacked and I'm lucky I don't, I have a beautiful audience that doesn't really do that kind of stuff, but um, people are living under the fear of being canceled all the time. I know because I've joined programs to try and understand what I I love that you love Instagram. I still cannot figure it out. what the fuck do I do with Instagram? (laughs) But I've joined programs to figure out how to do it. And I'm constantly shocked at how much cancel culture has people by the short and curlies. And like, they are so paralyzed with fear at the judgment of other people and being canceled. And I'm like, by who? Like you're afraid of being canceled by people who are brainwashed by the Sith Lords. I don't understand the threat in that. I don't, I don't, it's just crazy how um, intense the the programming is. And I personally feel like it comes from basically like, so everybody who wants to throw rocks at, what is it like throwing rocks at glass houses? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like who wants yeah. to call the kettle yeah. black basically? It's because right. I think it's because it's like they're, they're targeting beautiful empathic souls who have huge hearts and feel so much love and so much distress at the very real um, injustice and suffering and disparity that's being deliberately created here. And, and they've like harnessed all of that empathic light work, indigo, starseed, caring energy, and they've weaponized it so that we just um, reject the part of ourselves that is, you know, air quotes, part of the problem. And I feel like we're all part of the problem by virtue of existing in this system. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It's like, I can't go to the fucking grocery store and buy, you know, produce for my children without it being, you know, enveloped in loads of plastic, right? So Mm -hmm. we're part of the problem, but we're being manipulated to reject ourselves reject that aspect of ourselves therefore creating more shadow and to yell at each other for being part of the problem and shitting all over each other and it's just like it's I don't know it's wild to just sit back and watch the way the false matrix has just they they got us they've got us on those levels it's it's working unfortunately well, and yeah, you know, it's like circling back around on social media. It's like I was reading this morning. Um, I've been like kind of studying integration or um, automating like certain parts of our company. And they're saying now with all of the AI and everything that 65% of the content that is put out on social media is not true. So videos and all of this stuff of, you know, it's like people need to be and they should. Yes, I'm shooting, but question it because these things that we're being told may not actually even be true. It may just be a way of continuing to keep you in a fear mindset. So you never step out and it's um, you know, what's happening in the middle East is horrible, but I think it's also giving humanity an opportunity to let's look at this. What is actually happening? What is the deep underlying purpose of this? Like, is this a war that, 
yes, has been thought fought for thousands and thousands of years. Absolutely. Is the innocent being killed and murdered? Yeah. Is that okay? No. But as human, we need to look at this and be like, are we going to continue to put up with this? Because that's what we're being asked because consciousness is the consciousness of earth needs to rise or we're in trouble. I mean, let's be real. It is a weird world out there. Like you said, you know, you go to the grocery store, there's plastic everywhere. There's endocrine blockers. There's, you know, you name it, they've got it. Right. And then there's there, we have all these toxins, but then we have all of these like pay attention over here because, you know, don't look at this. Like, let's look at this. Um, and, and, you know, it's a war on the children. It's a war on, you know, what are you going to choose to give your energy to? Because, there's a lot of energy suckers out there and it's, um, it's definitely, I feel like there's a lot of Sith Lords that are just out for our energy. Totally. And I feel like they're kind of laughing with all this stuff because it's, it's just, you know, it's hook, line and sinker. Like it's just working with so many people. And like, so with the, the situation in the Middle East too, when I look at it, or I mean, any number of wars, it was the same thing with Russia and Ukraine, which I also chose to not comment on because I'm not there. I don't know. Like I would just be talking out of my ass and virtue signaling essentially is what I would be doing. And I don't feel like that benefits anybody. So I just don't, but, but I also am super aware that in, well, I feel like these conflicts are artificially manufactured. Yes. So that, yes, it pulls our ascending consciousness back into polarity. And it's not lost on me that the narrative is that you're supposed to choose a side. Right. Why? Why would I choose a side about something that I don't even know about? Right. That I have to rely exactly on online information that may or may not be true Mm -hmm. to formulate my opinion. Why? Why? Why would I have to choose a side? Can I not just say that it's an absolute atrocity that people are being slaughtered for you know, gross, bigger agendas. It is an atrocity. That's my side. That's the side I picked. (laughs) But I mean, and and it's so true because it's that simple. Like we look at, you know, I mean, I think it's amazing. Like, I don't know, the Ukraine, Russia and all of that stuff. Like that's been brewing for a long time, but also like as, you know, I guess low floaters, right? Because who knows, we can get into the Illuminati, the reptilians, the Freemasons, all of these like high up multi-billionaires, you know, oral oil garky running Sith Lords, you know, they want to keep the humanity in fear because humanity is controllable when you're in fear, you know, and that's the thing that, you know, plant medicine has really taught me is fear is an actual illusion that has been taught to me. The only person that's in the way of your fear is yourself and it's stepping in and facing that. And it's like cancel culture, right? Like you said, if you don't step into it, like in a week, they're not going to care. They've got to, they've moved on to another pumpkin pie, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. they're totally, it's such an illusion and this matrix of just bullshit. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really quite amazing to watch how people and especially on social media, like people just go at each other. Like F you, F you, you're wrong. Yeah. You're like, who, who are you to judge? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this is something that you, you know, individuals need to invent, you know, look at. I mean, I even look at like the whole uh, Taylor Swift thing with this like pro NFL player. I'm like, what are they using this to distract you from? Like what is actually happening? Mm-hmm. And then you start seeing advertisements with, you know, this football player that's got 
triple jab in his arm and you're just like oh see what's happening here is actual manipulation of the consciousness like oh you know these and it's it's when you step back and look at it with clear lens and you take the rose colored glasses off and you realize like wow being awake is really actually not as great as everyone says it is but you see it for what it is you can then actually step into that choice and that you know freedom instead of fear-based you know mindset Mm-hmm. Totally. And I, I mean, like, I, I feel for sure, like being awake, it's hard when you, you, it's hard when you, you have those moments where you're like, can I please just eat a box of Oreos and <laughs> like call it a night? Like, can I go back to binging Grey's Anatomy and being happy with that? Please. Like there are moments right. where it just feels like too much, but also when you're willing to see it through those clear, like, th- yeah, through the clear lens, you you realize how powerful your choice is in every moment. You realize how power, how much power you have, or you begin to realize, because I mean, I constantly feel like I'm being shown how much power I actually have. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, like what? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I just got to go pick my kids up from school. Like I can handle right. this right now. Um, and yet it's, it's thrilling and exciting too, because it's just, I don't know, I guess it's just my template. Like I'm, I'm not really, I don't think I ever would have been the person to spend a whole lifetime eating Oreos and watching Grey's Anatomy. There was a period of my life where I got to do that, but I, I know I was always sort of like on the path to see the, see the sort of like Sith Lord situation and, and want to do something about it. So I'm biased towards being awake, even if it's hard. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I love being awake. And I think it's really, I love being awake because I have so much more awareness of like my why, right? Like, oh, why am I eating a bag of chips and watching House or Grey's Anatomy? Like, I know that it's a decision that it's not that I'm checking out. It's not, it's a I guess I want to just say that they feel like there's more purpose. Like you, you know who you are and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I've read all of the like spiritualism I've helped, you know, I've, I've voiced my opinion today on regards to helping someone maybe seek a little bit more of like taking down their own veil. Maybe I am okay to just sit here and eat chips. Now Oreos, right. those are dangerous. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> But Luckily, it's... my intelligent body developed horrendous food allergies to corn. Uh, so okay. I and and milk so it has protected me from the dangers of Oreos. <laughs> well, and you know it's really so fascinating, and it's interesting that you mentioned that. It's like the more I feel like I my consciousness is awakening, the more sensitive I am to food as well. Like it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I used to be able to eat that, and now I'm like, oh no 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 no. Like I even the thought of it is it's. It, it like hurts my body and it's um and I think it's something that the vibration of food especially here in the United States is really getting to a point where um yeah it's a, it's a it's a level of consciousness of the consumption mm-hmm. definitely and I've been noticing that too with um even my, my friends who you know we don't typically have these kind of conversations, but I know that they are on their awakening journey as well. And it's just interesting to see how many people are developing food sensitivities to things that are considered like normal staple foods. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
yeah, just how many people are having to pretty drastically amend their lifestyle when it comes to, to eating because the body is just like, can't do it anymore. Like can't take in poison that is, right. you know, <laughs> manufactured to taste good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's, and we're even starting to see it, um, with Western medicine, we're starting to see the body actually reject Western medicine in some cases. It's really, it's really interesting. Um, you're starting to see more of like mom stepping into like midwifery or like seeking a midwife, um, for prenatal care, postnatal care for birth. You're starting to see people seek like shaman medicine or new German med German new medicine for ailments that they have they would have turned to Western medicine because Western medicine is actually like, I think in a sense falling because the human body is not responding the way it once was. And it's mm -hmm. pretty wild. It is being, wild. It's such being exciting. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's just exciting to watch because mm -hmm. even like people who are making those choices aren't necessarily like willing to talk about the Akashic records or willing to entertain um, ayahuasca journeys or working with any kind of plant medicine per se, but they're starting, like that's the direction that they're starting to awaken and sort of disengage from the narrative that we've been primed with and just being like, oh, I'm, I feel like I need to reframe my relationship with food or I feel like I need to reframe my relationship with like what healthcare is. And it's, right. it's just beautiful to watch this little wave well it's not it's not a little wave I feel like it's a huge wave of awakening but I feel like it's still in the beginning phases like it's right. just gonna be so big that you know we'll probably look back on these years and laugh to ourselves and be like oh god isn't it cute that we thought we were like deep in the awakening back then <laughs> we had our big toe in we only dipped yeah, into it exactly <laughs> well and you know it's even like I see it in the plant medicine world you know like there's this huge pharmaceutical push to make a synthetic ayahuasca or a synthetic this or a synthetic that, you know, there's this big push in ketamine. And, you know, I was at breakfast the other morning with my sister and my mom, and we were talking about ketamine because it's really mainstream right now. And I feel into ketamine. My sister feels into ketamine. Like it just doesn't resonate with my body because it's a synthetic. It's actually a derivative of PCP, um, which is angel dust, which is a street drug, which is derivative from meth, which is like, it goes down this crazy wormhole and it's ideally poppy opium that has been broken down into these extreme micromolecules and they figured out how to manipulate it with science. Right. And it's this whole push on this, like, well, it's a plant medicine. And it's like, no, this is like, this is a very highly addictive, but mm -hmm. they're framing it in this other aspect and they're affiliating it with Western medicine. And they're making people fearful of the fungi and the ayahuasca and the things that are literally, they come straight out of the ground. Like they don't go through this process, but they are pushing this illusion of like, no, that's really bad for you. You don't do that. Go with this synthetic doctor prescribed. And it's like people, more and more people are like, oh my God, this isn't working. Oh my gosh, I felt great. But now all of a sudden it's not working. And it's, um, it's really fascinating to watch people wake up like this whole shifting of consciousness, um, even in like just the plant medicine world, because, you know, we've been, we've been battling this battle for a very long time. And the fact that most of them are illegal, illegal in most countries is, is profound, but yet 
doctors can prescribe you methadone and oxycodone and all of these very highly damaging and, you know, ideally toxic um, prescriptions, but they're just drug dealers at the end of the day, trying to help heal an ailment that they actually may not even may or may not know where it came from. Totally. And, and yeah, I mean, oh my God. <laughs> oh, cause I, um, I worked with doctors on placement when I was becoming a midwife and I, you know, I just got to see firsthand, um, that pharmaceutical reps come in and they buy the whole office lunch and they come and they give their spiel and then they, um, you know, basically like cut a deal with the doctors to p- push um, certain medications. And I say this with like, I am not trying to demonize doctors. Like the one doctor okay. I work with, I love him so much. I love him. And yet, um, you know, like he told me a little bit about the debt he came out of medical school with as well as the overhead costs for starting up and running his practice. And it was astronomical mm-hmm. and we can all judge doctors up and down. Like I remember the other midwives really kind of resented him because he kind of got reprimanded for offering, I don't know, just a few too many C-sections and I, he should get mm-hmm. reprimanded for that. But when he explained to me the way his billing works and how much he makes for a C-section versus how much he makes for a vaginal delivery, I was like, well, I understand if you don't, if you're just thinking about basically getting yourself out of a fucking like mountain, like a prison sentence of debt, if that's how you see it. And you're also a man and you've never had children, which he hadn't at the time. So you really don't understand the implications of cutting into a woman's body and her uterus and what that means for her reproductive future. Then you're just thinking in terms of like, I need to make this money back. And the same goes for then, you know, push pushing forward certain medications. And that doesn't mean that they're bad people. It's a system that is very dysfunctional and that's just the straight up reality of it. So then medications are being pushed and it's not even necessarily the best course of action for a person. And one time when I was working as a doula, um, I was doing a, a volunteer doula stint, a postpartum doula stint for a woman who was, um, an immigrant and, um, from Botswana and she had nobody like literally no one in the country at all that she knew. And so I went and picked her up from the hospital and drove her back to her apartment. And on the way she had had, um, the doctor had written her a number of prescriptions, which I went into the pharmacy to have filled for her. And when I looked at them, one of them was for oxycodone for, um, for she had, a a tear during the birth, a pretty big one. And that was the pain medication that was prescribed to her. And I got it filled, but I came back to her and I was like, I need you to know that this is highly, highly addictive and it ruins people's lives. Just know that. And I was like, what in the actual hell? She has nobody. She now has a baby. She's 20 years old. She did. This isn't even her first language. And you're prescribing her a highly addictive medication and nobody even tells her that this could ruin her life and kill her and her baby very literally, but I just couldn't even believe it. So anyway, I just went on a total rampage, but no, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's so, it's so funny because like we, um, we have very similar like paths, right? Like I was 
in an industry for a long time. And then I like went back cause I was like, I'm going to go do pre-med. And then I wanted to be a midwife. Like I got into Xavier. I was going to go like everything in my being was said, I was accepted. I was going and COVID happened. But I remember like up into that and like, I was so passionate about it. And like, maybe it's cause I have like a son in cancer. And like, I was so gung ho because I was hearing all of these stories of all of these mothers that were being abused and I don't have kids yet. And I'm like, this is bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. And, you know, and I was working in a midwife clinic and I just remember this like midwife and she's like, all of these drugs are just not necessary. Like women are so powerful. And I'm like, you know, this is like prior to my like full awakening. And I was like, wait, she's kind of crazy. Like she wants them to get in the water and like no drugs. Like what is happening? But like those women were so like empowered and they would leave the clinic and their husband. And it was this like, it was like, wow, these women are powerful. And then I would talk to women that went in, you know, I had to get an epidural because the doctor said they had, they had push Pitocin. They had to do all these things. They had to be induced and blah, 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 blah. And all I hear is money, 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 money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, also, did you guys, you know, and moms nowadays, they're so busy just trying to take care of themselves so that they don't go into preterm labor and they don't do this and they don't do that because once again, it's all this fear mentality. Oh, well, you don't trust your body. Trust the doctor. Like, how dare you, you know, listen to your nervous system because we know better because we can bill insurance. And it's, you know, it's really, it's really remarkable what they have done to mom culture and the shame that's involved with mom culture. Um, when being a mom is such a powerful thing and yet they're taking these, you know, they're right. You know, ideally, like you said, like you cut into her uterus and then, you know, what if she wants to have a V-back? Well, now you got to find an OBGYN that'll like, you know, deliver a baby V-back, but then the risks are high because she could be sued. And it's like all of this, like fear. And it's just so much fear mongering and so much money. Um, it's, it's really quite remarkable to even, um, when you start breaking it down, because I was actually just looking at this last night, my, um, my boyfriend and I are talking about engagement and babies and moving forward in our career and, or in our, our career, our business, our business career of a relationship, um, <laughs> and his insurance. Yeah. They cover, you know, having children, but the average cost of having a baby in a hospital right now in the United States is $17,000. That's insane. Cost- Huh? The average cost, the average cost of hiring a midwife and paying out of pocket is five thousand two hundred dollars. I'll tell you, is that insane? <laughs> you can tell just me. give birth for free. I know, but, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I know this is not for everybody. Whatever, blah blah blah. Um, I just had William at home by myself. It was the best birth, fucking ever. Women do it all the time. And the thing is like, you know, I know people are like, but what if something awful happens? What if something terrible happens? It's not for everybody. You have to be at peace with that decision for yourself. And I recommend that you don't make it out of fear of what if like fear of what the doctor is going to do to you. While at the same time, I mean, my reasons were literally because like the last, you know, the last time I gave birth in the hospital, my child died. So that you can acknowledge that there are risks, but not be coming from a place of fear, but where you're just like, no, I'm not, I'm not playing this game. Um, But basically like, this is what I believe is that if you are at a certain level of consciousness, and I'm not talking about spiritual awakening, I'm just talking about a relationship with yourself 
and your own intuition, the mother will feel it if she needs to go to the hospital. And that was what I knew. I was like, if I need to go to the hospital, I will. If I feel inside of myself, like something is off, I will submit myself to whatever procedure has to happen. You know, it's not an ego thing. It it just kills me that we're convinced that we have $17,000, like $17,000. I'm like, get a birth. You know, and then you have to put them through college later. So you're told, (laughs) like, it's just nuts. Well, and, you know, it's so crazy to me because, like, how many years and generations, like, this is why we have feminine DNA trauma. Like, let's talk about, like, trauma. Like, you have to go to the hospital now. Um, I'm sorry, like, five generations back, they were squatting in the woods. Like, mama was helping mama have baby. Like, what is, like, this birth business and, like, there's books and, all this stuff. I mean, I was talking to my mom the other day and she's like, yeah, they don't even have prego gyms anymore because they've like made women scared of like working out when they're pregnant. Yet it's so funny because I have a lot of very dear friends of mine that have babies and they worked out their entire pregnancy and they like labored for two hours and pushed the baby out. And they were like, let's go home. I'm, I'm done. Like great well, shape. And they, oh yes. yeah. Right. Like they didn't gain 50 extra pounds of excessive from just sitting and eating Oreos and, you know, not, <laughs> It's, it's really quite crazy because we've been taught as women to not trust our nervous system. And I think that's one big reason why we are in the trouble that we're in right now, because we don't listen to our nervous system. We're on all of these, you know, I don't want to get pregnant. So I'm on this like fake birth control horse urine that like tells my body all of these weird things. Then it's all out of whack. And it's just like, oh my God, like what they, this war on women is it's real. And it's women that have to step in and fight against it. And I, and it's one thing, you know, like social media, I see these moms that are like, you're, I'm not having baby at home. You're not putting this stuff on my kid. You're not vaccinating my child six minutes after they get out of the womb. Like, leave me alone. Let me be a mom and let me listen to my nervous system. And I think it's, I think we're, you know, as the consciousness rises, I think that we're going to see more and more of these, like these midwives, these holistic practitioners that are encouraging people, please like mothers, please have your baby at home. Listen to your body. You don't need a doctor telling you that you need all these drugs and this and that, like, um, you know, there's just, there's so much that we have just let brainwash us into fear to just completely turn off our instincts. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's, it's just really interesting. I mean, when I look at things like this, and have the opportunity to talk about it with somebody else who gets it. And sometimes I'm all, I'm like, I'll talk about it with people. And then I see them glaze over and I'm like, okay, yeah. you're not, you're not there. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. But when I talk about this, I'm like, of course there are Sith Lords. Of course, like, you know, I call it the false matrix, however you want to, but this isn't just, we didn't just accidentally get here. There are people, trillionaires, like you said, um, as well as people that aren't really aren't in it for the money. They're in it for reasons that are hard for us to understand. But ultimately it is like, this, it is that Sith mentality. I mean, like Palpatine mm-hmm. is the perfect way of understanding that sociopathic, like supreme ego that, that is unchecked and doesn't give a flying fuck how many people suffer in order for like that self to, I don't know, reach a pinnacle. And even like, there is no end to the pinnacle either. Like it's a, it's a constant unending hunger. And when I look at 
you know, just this one example of the healthcare system and the maternity care system, I can just see so clearly that this is not accidental. We didn't just kind of get here like, oh shit, well now we're here. Let's, let's all work together and fix it. It's like, no, there are forces that are absolutely benefiting from this and back to choice are actively choosing to maintain and propagate this narrative of fear so that this system can be perpetuated and they can profit in whatever ways, monetarily and otherwise. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like you individualize people, you get them out of community, you have full control over them. They mm-hmm. don't they don't have anybody to turn to except for to believe that whatever they're being told. And it's mm-hmm. it's really it's really a great time to be alive, but man, it's a it's a wild ride right now because it's uh to be able to see it for what it truly is, it's you know, and like you said, some people just like glaze over and they're looking at you cross-eyed and you're like, I'm gonna go now, I'm gonna go ground myself on some dirt and eat some vegetables that are organic. <laughs> Right. And then it just reinforces even more. They're like, she's crazy. She's a fucking hippie. (laughs) Oh yeah. All the time. Like you're such a dirty hippie. I'm like, whatever. I, you know, I still wear deodorant, but like it's clean deodorant. Like don't judge. (laughs) You should try it out. (laughs) Right. Just go Uh, put your bare feet on the earth. Try it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's, and I think it's good. I think where we're at is, it's a beautiful time in um, consciousness and as more and more people step in, whether, you know, it's meditation, plant medicine, Akashic, whatever, you know, whatever it is, it's just that curiosity that is being triggered that is helping individuals see, Um, even Mm -hmm. if it's just a glimpse. um, I think it's, you know, and there's people, you know, like us that are, we stand behind it and we laugh at it, but yet like people, we awaken people in a, in a level that at least they're getting curious. Oh, well, you know, they're talking about it. So it must be real. And someone else is talking about it. So there might be something to it. You know, that's, I think a part of contract here is us that are, I guess, awake, stepping in together and being okay of the cancel culture, being okay of like, oh, you might not be happy with what I have to say, but this is, you know, I know this as my truth and I hope that you see a little bit of it. Mm-hmm, totally. And and okay with being seen as weird, which was a huge, huge barrier for me to overcome. And now I laugh because I'm like, I literally do not care. I just recorded a podcast episode so two weeks ago where I was like, I know I'm Faye. I know that Faye is real. And I know I was like, I don't care if you guys think I'm crazy. I'm just saying what I know. So, but I feel like, yeah, for a lot of us also our, our part of our soul contract or agreement or mission is to, um, yeah, be visible so that other people who are wherever they are on their journey can can be like, oh my God, thank God I'm not alone. And yes. thank God I'm not actually just isolated and crazy. The thoughts that I'm having and the things that I'm seeing are valid. Right, right. Which is so important. Well, and it's cool too, because I think that there's, we're also in this time where like technology is moving so fast that they actually can't cancel it. They can't be like, oh, that's not real. Because- it's like, oh, well, repost, 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 repost. By that time, they have any, they can't even catch the virus fast enough. They call it the virus, right? Fast enough to be able to actually stop it in its tracks where 
you go back 30 years, it was all in what the newspaper was giving you. It was all in what you were reading in the magazine, right? So they had full control of what human was observing. Now it's, you know, social media has this beautiful side of like, okay, if I want to know more, yeah, okay, you might get shadow banned. But by that time, it's been shared with however many people. Um, and, you know, we were, Megan and I were on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and the the podcast went totally down the wormhole of like reptilians and Arturians and Pleiadians and blah, 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 all these things. And like, he was literally like, this isn't going to last on YouTube longer than 15 minutes. I hope you guys are okay with that. And I'm like, yeah, but if like maybe in that 15 minutes, someone hears it and starts, you know, that's, right. that's what we're totally. here for. Yeah. The met- it's, it's not the vanity metrics of yeah. how many downloads or like audience growth or whatever. It's like, I just need to show up and do it and say the thing. And so that the people right. who are meant to hear it, hear it and just trust that it's that part's out of my hands. I just do my part. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like we were talking earlier about like tarot, right? Like tarot has, it originally started as a, um, uh, like card game, right? Like back in the day, long, 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 long time ago. And it has gone through, I've been studying it recently. It's gone. It went through a lot of different ebb and flows. They think it even went as far back as like Egyptian time. They're not hundred percent sure. But the thing was, is that now it's making this like new, I've noticed it more and more in the consciousness. I'm seeing it in earrings and necklaces and like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet it was like branded such taboo because the church, and don't do that. It's dark magic. It's this, it's that. And yet I'm starting to see people use it in coaching practices in, um, therapists are using it. And it's this like whole understanding of like, okay, well maybe I don't trust myself, but maybe there's an ability that my energy and my intention might show me something within these cards. Um, and it's, it, it's also this like crazy thing of like understanding that we're super powerful beings and like our subconscious is, has a lot of powers that are way beyond what like our conscious mind wants us to understand. But it's a lot like the Akashics, right? Like what, where am I and what do I want to learn? And it's all of like, what is the soul ready and willing to step into? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, Okay. I do want to bring it back to your Akashic Records experience because I'm so curious, like in the, as you said, almost six months since that ayahuasca journey and in the integration process, have you revisited the Akashic Records intentionally or unintentionally um, since then? Um, So I actually... I know this sounds super crazy. This doesn't sound so crazy, but I can't actually access them intentionally. I have tried. I've read multiple books. I've done YouTubes. I have like a friend that she reads Akashic. Um, I can't get into them. So from my understanding and what I've kind of um, been told, I guess, is that they're one of those that I am one of those that doesn't access them all the time. I'm only access when I need to see them. Um, and so I'm, I'm working on having this relationship with them because I really would love to, I actually really want to figure out a way how to integrate tarot reading with Akashics to help people heal. past I do that. Do you? Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I just, it's something that I, um, I like had this epiphany and I was like, Oh, I want to put these together. 
but I have to be able to access them on a daily basis. And it's uh, one of those things that I, I don't know if it's my ego. I don't know if it's my, I don't know what block I have that I can't just access them. So I've been really working on like, okay, well, what is it that I need to do to clear this block or step into this energy? Um, when, like I said, I can, I can, I access them on accident on a really foggy day. And then I've been able to access them, um, during ayahuasca when I'm deep into the quantum. Uh, so yeah, I haven't, I haven't been able to access them. So it's kind of a weird, I think I might be kind of weird because that's what I've been told. Like normally you, you should just be able to access them if you've been in them already. Um, so yeah, I don't, maybe you have a comment on that or if you've heard of that, cause I'm always, I'm all ears on the Akashic, the Akashic world. Yeah. I mean, I can totally, I can totally see that. Like, as you're saying, like I'm somebody that's meant to access them when I, when I need to, I feel like that. That is also the oracle archetype where you're you are receiving like the vision so to speak whether it comes through like visually or or in, through another um psychic sense but you're receiving it when you're supposed to not necessarily like on you know like on a daily basis or or whatever um so that's very much possible that that, that is just what you're what you intended for yourself in terms of you using the Akashic records in this life. But I also, while you were talking about it and like during our whole conversation, I was like, I think that um, this is an initiation for you to be able to integrate that like deeper level of being able to see the soul journey with the people that you and Megan work with and helping them to process those spiritual levels of you know, um, addiction or different soul contracts, different sort of karmic, you know, entanglements that people have. And I know like a lot of people, because I teach people how to access the Akashic records and it's definitely not uncommon that people feel blocked with it. And I was just saying in my psychic activation um, course yesterday that, okay, so this is what I think is happening for, for a lot of people. The Akashic records are at a super high dimension. I understand them to be at the 11th dimension. So it's just like a very high frequency, which is a very elevated vantage point. And it can be hard for our, our human selves to be able to see from that vantage point. And the sort of key to get in there is through the heart because the heart already, like the un um, unwalled heart, it already resonates at the same frequency that the Akashic records exist at, but most of us are trying to get at it through the mind. And, um, I didn't even realize that the first few times that I taught into the Akasha because I, um, clairvoyant and claircognizant. So I experience it through here, but I didn't realize that it was actually coming through my heart until I started practicing it. And even sometimes if my mind is kind of distracted during a reading with somebody, I'll try connecting through my heart and then I start getting the information flowing. So um, yeah, I mean, this is just like a general, this could be true for you or it could just be general advice for anybody who likewise has like tried the different um, like guided journeys on YouTube or the whatever, um, you know, like the binaural beats tracks on YouTube and read books and things like that. The, 
the frequency of the Akashic records resonates at the same frequency that the pure open heart exists at. But for so many of us, we have a big oily layer of accumulated pain around our hearts that makes it very uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable to pass through that into the purity of the heart. And so we don't want to go through there. And we're also trained to try and tackle everything from the mental level. Well, and that makes total sense to me because I was in a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat, uh, not last October, but the following. And Dr. Joe does a lot of work of heart mind coherence. Right. And I remember I slipped into, um, I, at that time hadn't access to the Akashic, but I slipped into full body coherence where I was literally shaking. Like I was having a seizure, like for a solid hour and a half, like, um, some say Kundalini awakening, some say, you know, whatever. Right. But I remember being, um, also when you're meditating for like 13 hours a day, it's a, it's a thing. But on day three, I remember being in my heart space and I never really had ever dropped into it because there's so much pain there. Right. We hold so much of that grief of childhood and life and, um, our, our heart chakras just take a lot as humans. And I remember being in it and I was just sobbing. It was the first time I'd ever been in it. I was just flipping. I was so happy, but I was like, just all of the pain. I could just feel everything and I was processing everything. And then the next, um, really heavy, it was like, uh, it was a visual meditation. So there was lots of like geometric, he put up on the screen, like all these geometric shapes and you can like go in and out of it. And I kind of went into a hypnotic state and I like kind of, I closed my eyes and were laying down. And this is when I like fully went into like full coherence and I was just violently shaking. But I remember being in so much of my heart space that it was like almost overwhelming. Like I was this like little human in this like giant wall, like my anatomical heart. And I just remember like seeing all these things like written on the walls of all these things I've been told and taught. And like, I was like erasing them and like, no, that's not real. And that's not real. And like letting all of this stuff go. So I, I think that that is, I think that that makes a lot of sense, like heart space. And we, we do, we spend so much time in our heads and feminine is heart space. Mind is logic, mm-hmm. male space. So it does make sense. Um, and you know, society, we don't spend a lot of time in our hearts because it's hard to be there. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to be in that like pure feminine space of like love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, you know, it's very, again, to bring it back to the dark agenda, the reptilians, I got, you also have to tell me what podcast that was. So I'll link it okay. in the show notes. I'm yeah. obviously going to go listen to it. And I'm sure my audience, a bunch of them were like, what was it, Amy? Don't, don't let this go without asking her. But um, to bring it back to that, like, you know, lizard turds and the dark agenda and all that stuff. Um, I feel like that, that's been like one of their biggest like their biggest MO is to basically injure our hearts so badly that we voluntarily put up heart walls because the, it's sort of like the, the, um, like everything has a price in a sense, right? Like you, you don't just basically, you don't just get granted access to the Akashic records without, making an offering of yourself. So it's not like, this isn't to like make it an exclusive thing that you have to like prove yourself, right? Like everybody is born worthy. I believe it's our birthright. Mm -hmm. And though, and we don't, our, our 
unintegrated ego does not get access to the Akashic records because it's not, it hasn't, um, how do I put it? It's like, I'll, I will say we haven't made ourselves worthy, but it's in the same way that like, if you love somebody, you want to be worthy of the privilege of having them in your life. Right. It's not that you're inherently unworthy, but you in your choices want to make yourself continuously as a choice over and over in every moment worthy of that love. And it's the same thing to go into our heart space mm-hmm. and, and thereby to access the Akashic records. Like we have to sort of um, prepare ourselves and the cost of admission is to move through all that pain. And it's, yes. it, I think for some people, it feels like it's not worth it. I don't want to, I don't want right. to do it. And for other people, it's a process. Like you can only go so deep and then you have to retreat and just go back to feeling kind of normalish and integrating it and going like deeper. It's a, it's a, like a big layer that you have to tunnel through in, in order to get into that space. But what I have found about the heart is that unlike the other chakras, which can totally be infiltrated by darker energy, the heart can't, they can only encase it in pain. And, but once you get into the heart, everybody's heart is just like the purest, most beautiful space that we have. Well, absolutely. And like the heart, I think for me and like my own, like when I'm in my heart space and I like do chakra work, I think my heart is, it is the highest frequency and it pushes so much like into the other chakras. Like we, we spend here, you know, I, I've, I've heard like yoga teachers, Oh, your chakra, your sacral chakra and this and that. Right. But like it all baseline is your heart chakra because it's like the gateway into everything else. It's the gateway into your soul. It's a gateway into like consciousness, into healing, into everything. Right. It's, we, so, so often we don't give it enough credit. Like we just kind of like, Oh, it's my heart chakra. Like, Oh, it's like, we kind of just like, but it's so powerful. Um, because when you're healing those wounds and you're healing those, you know, DNA, whatever it is, it's, um, it's deep. And, you know, it's even like plant medicine. I think so often, you know, they talk about this threshold, like with ayahuasca and stuff. And it's, it is the heart because you have to really be in your space of like, I want to do this work, but intention comes from the heart. It can't come from the mind because it just makes logic. It does math. It's really good at that. But like if a heart like knows, right? Like the heart can tell you yes or no. The mind mm-hmm. is like, yes, maybe no, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. No, blah, 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 right. And it's all this chaos, but like the heart is so simple. It's a yes or a no. Like it's, it's so it's so beautiful when you just listen to it. Mm-hmm, totally. And I feel like the ideal balance is the the heart, like first experiencing the information through the heart in that simplicity and that wordless just knowing, and then it goes up to the mind and the mind makes sense of it. And, right. you know, and that's the, that's the beautiful way that we are created to work. If we can just like figure out how to get back into the heart. <laughs> Well, if there's a code, I think that anyone, you know, it's just that, and it's grace, grace for yourself, because we've been Mm -hmm. programmed into this whole, like, don't spend time there, just make logic of it. And then, you know, if you're a woman, you destroy your nervous system because you're always in your masculine male brain and your cortisol levels are shot to hell and you're caffeinated and you're like running around like a crazy person. Right. And then you're like looking at the lady in yoga class, who's all Zen. And you're like, damn, she's in her heart space. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but 
Yeah, but we're all figuring it out, aren't we? We are truly all, and it's it's a journey, right? It's all about the journey, not yeah. the destination. Yeah, totally. Yes. Nicole, this was such a great conversation. I'm so glad that we had it. Thank you for being here. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And um, we were on Jay Campbell's podcast. So um, that you can, I can send you all the information on that. If they want to be on there, but um, thank you for having us. And I'm looking forward to, of course, always um, catching up with you again, Amy. Yeah. And is there any final thing that you'd like to tell my audience about or anything that you've got going on? This is, this is going out this week. So (laughs) Um, we're launching a couple new things. We're really pushing into the world of masculine feminine relationships with the relationship of using plant medicine or not, but helping individuals really find coherence between their masculine and feminine energies, how to cultivate it, how to um, establish these healthy relationships with themselves, with their partners. Uh, If you're looking for a partner, how to find partnership, what are you looking for? Um, how to go about it in the world of like the current dating scene. So we've kind of really pivoted. We're still coaching, but we're pivoting into more relationship basis because that's really what's um, been coming in for Megan and I. But other than that, um, I think like always just enjoy the journey of life and, you know, don't take it so seriously because, you know, we got to do multiple lifetimes and we never know when we fulfilled our contract. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nicole. I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day. And thank you, beautiful audience, as always, for the powerful currency of your attention. I love you so much. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Well, that's a wrap. I truly hope that you enjoyed the episode and that you got some good activations, insights, and inspiration from what was shared today. I want to give a shout out to May, who edits all of these podcast episodes, and I want to thank you, beautiful listener, for the valuable currency of your time and attention. You are a powerful creator, and may everything in this podcast serve you in your highest fucking creations. Your listenership means the world to me, truly. I cannot possibly express my appreciation enough for you and your being here with me on this journey. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to rate, review, subscribe, and share, and have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. I will catch you on the next episode.